Going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel and we're gonna get married. Satan really loves you and we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel of blood. Wedding horror movies on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. <laughs> are gathered here today for episode 184 of Attack of the Killer podcast, episode what we call Till Death Do Us Part. It's the actual title now, Jason, just so you know. Uh, horror movies, so this is going to be an episode of horror movies that involve weddings and or marriage. Um, all very, very scary stuff. I am your host, Insane Mike. And, Hi, Mike. And we are an attacker down on this episode. Andy has... Is not on this episode. He has run off to get married. So, he did it. So in tribute to him, uh, we decided to do this episode and kind of this is our way of crashing uh, his wedding. So congratulations, Andy. We miss you. I guess I miss him. No one else does. Doesn't say anything. Okay, if you are, uh, we, we we upgraded with Reeb. So <laughs> <laughs> if you are a first time listener to the show. Um, we are gathered here today to each renew our vows to our one and only true love. That's right, horror movies. Attack of the Kill podcast is a horror movie podcast that picks a topic, discuss films within that topic, and blah, 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 blah. Um, <laughs> we're basically just a group of friends hanging out, talking about horror movies. So, there's going to be spoilers. It's going to happen. Here to tell you. Attack of the Killer Podcast is one of many shows on our very own podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Our network has just added two more shows since the last time we've been together. So everybody, please welcome Exploitation Films Podcast and Lunch Break. Woo! Woo! Heck yeah. Lunch Break um, is a couple of uh, filmmaking friends of ours, and they are funny as hell. Um... Each week they discuss like pop culture, talk to guests, do taste tests, do uh, funny voices, which I love. So don't stop it. Right. Um, it, it's it's just a fun, funny show. Check it out. They are some goofballs. That's right. And then um, exploitation film podcast. We've known the people from that show for years. Is some of the other different podcasts that they've done. Um, so it's really cool having them on the network. Um, it's a podcast of all things related to Grindhouse, exploitation, drive-in films, and B-movies. Um, I listened to their um, Nude on the Moon. Is it Nude on the Moon? Uh, Dor- the Dorsh Wishman movie. And I learned way more about Dorsh Wishman than I ever thought was possible. <laughs> so, uh, no film genre is off-topic or too taboo for this trio of hosts as they journey through the wild and uninhibited world of exploitation cinema. Um, I know you're excited to have them on. The- I am. I'm really excited. I've loved the stuff they've done in the past, and it's cool because you know they talk about films that I, I don't get to hear any other podcast really talk about. Yep. You know, so um, and it's stuff that I love. So 
<coughs> you can check them out as well as all of the shows on the Prescribed Films Podcast Network at thepfpn.com. So you just type in thepfpn.com, and there you go. Done. So if you enjoy our show and want to help keep it going and growing, become a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP. And there are many tiers to choose from that get you lots of cool bonus content, such as bonus episodes of the show, commentary tracks, special videos, um, my YouTube series, Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten list. And you should definitely get on it now. Because I was sick not too long ago, still kind of recovering from it, and Jason took over and did an episode of Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten List. So you need to check it out, see him doing this, <laughs> and see if he uh, if he did a good job filling my shoes or not. So, again, that's go to patreon.com backslash AOTKP, get signed up today, and get even more Attack of the Killer podcast content. Do it. i got to be honest. I'm itching for a new supporter sign-up. It's been been a little while and i i look every day and i want to see a new person sign up so somebody you're listening right now you're thinking about it you want to help support us and get the show out there more and just you got to go you got to do it just do it quit quit stalling as little as a dollar a month gets you so much stuff you can do that that's changing your couch exactly for those of you out there who are uh currently getting married we have a wedding gift for you, and that is one month of Shutter for free. Aww. I know it's exactly what you wanted. Well, I saw it on your wedding registry. So, <laughs> and as luck would have it, Shutter just happens to be our sponsor. Shutter is the—that's a capital T, capital H, capital E—streaming. <laughs> I'm so happy you spelled it right for me to keep adding letters. Is the streaming service for all things horror. You can get Shutter for as low as four ninety nine a month or forty nine ninety nine a year, and as congratulations on your upcoming nuptials, you can get a free month of Shutter from us. I just wanted to have at one moment of this episode where I said nuptials. Go to shutter.com backslash podcast and type in our promo code AOTKP for your free month now. And now it's time to introduce you to. The podcast crew. When his wife threw the bouquet of flowers at the reception, it was a bouquet of Venus flytraps. Tad good, everybody. It's not true. (laughs) (laughs) The bride was still looking for something old and something blue. Jason suggested his balls. Jason Bollinger, everybody. (laughs) Oh, come on. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Old and blue. No, we heard you. Okay. And our very special guest, welcome back to the show, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, Mike Reeb, everybody. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you. So, here we go. We're going to talk about wedding movies. But first, I'm going to turn it over to Tad. Tad. Hey, guys. We're going to go into our first segment, What We Watched. go around we talk about what we watched it's pretty simple 
I'm going to go ahead and start with Jason and get that over with. Oh, man. Oh, man. You get comfortable, guys. Hope you brought a sandwich. Oh, my gosh. If you could see this list. I'll try to, <coughs> I'll try to go as fast as I can. Um, Tina and I watched a couple of the Into the Dark series on Hulu. I need to get caught up on those, man. Um, we watched Me too. All That We Destroy. Um, it's freaking fantastic. Um, which one is that? It's directed by Chelsea Stardust. Like which month is that one? That is May. Okay. Mother's Day. It's cool. Samantha Mathis is in it. Pump up the volume. Oh, yeah. Frank Whaley. It's freaking awesome. Then we also watched uh, I'm Just Fucking With You. That was April. Oh, okay, April yeah. Fools. April. Uh-huh. That one's super fantastic. Um, and so I assume everyone knows, but if you have Hulu, um, uh, uh, Blumhouse TV is monthly putting out a movie, a horror movie, and they're basically based on a holiday that takes place in that month. Um, and it's on Hulu. It's called Into the Dark. A really cool series. Those are great. They're all pretty darn awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mute. I watched that. Been wanting to watch it for a while. It's it's got Paul Rudd, Stellan Skarsgård. It's all right. I, I wanted it to be better. Mm. Um, Imitation Girl. I watched that. Um, that's um, super cool. That's Natasha Kermani's new movie. Um, it's uh. Just trying to remember. I think that's on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, it's a it's a uh, it's it's uh, a twenty four slow y vibe with some uh, deep concepts. It's pretty pretty good. Wait, not, is it a twenty four? You're saying it's a twenty four like like okay. Um, the Highwayman. Oh, that's a western. Never mind. It was okay. Um, oh yeah. Oh, uh, Under the Silver Lake, um, that is A24? No, it's not. No, I don't think so. I don't think it is. Um, it's uh, Bonkers. It's um, by the same director of It Follows. Oh, and, cool. And it has Andrew Garfield in it, Topher Grace. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. It's nuts. It's crazy town. Yeah, it. Uh, the, I think the story behind it almost is as interesting as the movie itself. But yeah, I agree. It's had you know several release dates and changes, and theatrical release dates canceled and brought back, and it never actually ended up getting a theatrical run. So now it's st- pretty much straight to digital. Yep. Kind of died a slow digital death, but it's. I don't know. I don't know if you'll like it. Cold Pursuit. I watched that. I don't know if that counts as horror, but... Is that Taken on Ice? Taken on Ice. It's got uh, Tom Bateman, who I know you love. Who I love? Yep, because he was in that Hulu Into the Dark show with the serial killer. Oh, the Halloween one? The um, the Body? The Body, but, but the body yeah. Yeah. Oh, he, he was the hitman? Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. He's super funny in it. It was, again, it was okay. 
wanted it to be better. Oop, that's that's just a um, blood harvest. I watched that. Yeah, Joe Bob. No, thanks to Joe Bob. Yep. Yeah. Hello, Mary Lou. Prom night two. Man, let's let's not pass blood harvest oh. here quite yet. Tiny Tim. I know. How, How rad was it to watch um, Bob, Joe Bob watch Tiny Tim watch Joe Bob? <laughs> <laughs> that movie's... It's awesome. Is it? You throw that around too easy. Oh, I love that movie. Really? I do. I really do. It's not good. <laughs> I, I know. It's awesome. Oh, okay. As long as you know it. I, I know it's a bad movie, and you that's just, part of its charm. You just have uh, such a um, just such a big part of your heart that is contains novelty music, and if there's anything to do with it, it's automatically awesome on your part. You, you just you got novelty glasses on at all times. Tiny Tim acting in a movie. That's like freaking... Would you call that a horror acting? movie? Yeah. In a horror movie. As a clown. <laughs> and he's not even the, uh, the... He's not even the horror element of the movie. <laughs> it's awesome. Go on. Okay. Uh, hello, Mary Lou. Prom Night 2. Woo! Definitely. Which is also awesome. That one's actually awesome. That was... What a wait... What a wait... Because that was the last episode, right? Yep. What a way to go out, man. Those two movies. Uh-huh. Yeah. And and I enjoyed the end of the show because it was obvious that they didn't know that they had gotten renewed yet. So they did the big production of the prom and the dance, and that was awesome. Um, and then uh, a little more uh, a little more Joe Bob. I watched Chud. Oh, getting caught up on your Joe Bob, Trying to huh? get back through the Joe Bob. Um, Manhunt in Space. It was a mystery science theater. Uh -huh, I knew it. You can't watch a shitty movie, a bad B movie, without it, without like little robots I talking should, over top of it. I should try to sneak one past you one of these times. It's not gonna happen. And then I watched a bunch of TV. Also, this was a wonderful three day weekend. <clears throat> um, I binged the whole Umbrella Academy. Was, oh, okay, yeah. It was great. I, I, I liked it a lot. Things. I just wished, I kn if I'd have known it was so <coughs> um, <coughs> time travel centric, I might not have watched it. So maybe that's good that I didn't know so that I did watch it because it was pretty cool. Um, Tina and I watched uh, Barry Season 2. That was freaking awesome. That's on HBO with Bill Hader oh, as cool. a hitman and, oh, and the Fonz. Uh, got, I'm all caught up on Chernobyl. I think that totally counts as a horror, as horror, because if you've seen it, it's probably the heaviest thing I've ever seen. Like it's the most haunting and dark and depressing and oh my god, it's just heavy. This could be, and it's incredibly done. It's a little five-part miniseries on HBO. I totally recommend it. And then I'll. I'm sorry I'm rambling, but I'll finish with my last thing. I watched this on Shudder. Uh, Tina and I did. And Critters, a new binge. And I liked it. Really? I I liked it. 
I think you're crazy. It was so fun. You weren't taken out of it at all when, like, the alien, the bounty hunters, they land in Australia, and there's, like, a three-minute scene of them obviously running against a really bad green screen. I know it wasn't three-minute scene because it's only nine-minute episodes. Because each episode's only nine I know. So, but still, it no, felt like No, I thought it was hilarious. Minutes. I thought all those things were hilarious. All that. I enjoyed those kids. They were freaking hilarious. I enjoyed the 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 critters were the funniest. I mean, I'm, they've never talked that much ever, have they? No, and I, they were. And that was something that comedic. took a little bit to get used to, because uh-huh. you know, especially with like the first movie, you just you know, you they're you're not used to the critters being so humanized. I mean, there's a yep. point in that where they're almost the protagonists, uh-huh. and then. <laughs> <clears throat> then there's the way that it goes with what happens with the kid. That's kind of weird, and I'm not sure about that. But it's also kind of cool. I liked it! I don't know. I just I just, I just think, I don't know. I just think, like, my problem is, is just budgetary things. It just feels like Full, Full Moon got their hands on the rights to the Critter franchise. That's what it felt like to me. Uh-huh. And? <laughs> don't, don't you like full moon movies? You do. You're the one guy who does. Like, is they, just in shock about the change. It's just the vibe. It's it was just one moment away from being crit- critters versus evil bong. So that's what I'm saying. No. That's the qu- that's the quality level of full no. moon I'm talking about. I thought the humor was actually funny. There's some funny stuff, and it was cool seeing Gilbert Godfrey and um, Thomas Lennon in it. You did it. I did it for once. I I literally laughed out loud at that one joke. I wish I could. I need to go back and watch it so I can remember this damn joke where the two kids are walking to school or whatever and it cuts to a shot of a dog taking a shit or something. Right. And they, they, they make some kind of bad pun there that I thought was freaking hilarious. Um, I laughed out loud at that. And some of the Critter stuff is funny. Just not, just a little difficult to get past the idea of them being full-on speakable characters and not just the threat of the movie. I'm okay with them being funny. Like, Critters 2. Yeah, it's not Critters 1 in any way. The Critters are hilarious and menacing at the same time. Uh, I, I, just, I just think it went too far in the hilarious direction this time around. That's but a sentence whatever. I just never thought I'd hear you say. That's, something's too funny. What? Ah. Well, yes, oh. watch it again. Watch it again. <coughs> I'll watch it with you. Anyway, I didn't talk about seven or eight movies, but anyway, that's what I watched. <laughs> oh my <Good> gosh. God. <laughs> uh. Where was I? Have are you the first person, right? Um yeah. so <laughs> uh, let's go with Insane Mike. Okay. Well, <laughs> like I said, I had been sick. My two days off last week was spent just plopped down in front of the TV. And I was, I was like, man, I, I, at the very, the best case, uh, the best uh, thing about being sick is I, I'm gonna have this huge list of movies. I don't remember hardly any of them that I watched, so maybe just a couple. But I did, so I did finally watch the extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, Yay. Um, which I really, really liked. I kind of get it, I think, on some of the upheaval of the movie, how it feels like it's kind of glorifying Ted um, a bit, because you know I did catch myself at one moment kind of rooting for him and i'm like wait a minute what am i doing this is the most disgusting 
human being that's ever lived. And you, you caught yourself with a boner. <laughs> <laughs> Just Zach Efron, so dreamy. But uh, um, yeah, so I think maybe if they kind of did get into a little bit more, whether whether it be visually or what have you, on on the things that he actually did. Um, but I mean, I, I'm a sucker for court dramas like that anyway so i thought i liked it um yeah i was gonna i was i too was gonna mention the last episode of joe bob with blood harvest and hello mary lou parmite too so what was cool is like um friday night i get home from work and by the time i get in front of joe bob it's uh it's on the hello mary lou parmite too and then saturday night i watched svenguli and he showed um, Ghost of Frankenstein, and I just totally had a flat halfway through Spenguli. I had this total flashback moment of like, this is what my life was like when I was a child, like just watching TV horror hosts. And I never thought this day would come again, where my uh-huh. weekend was spent watching TV movie horror hosts. You know, I mean, granted, it's no Commander USA or Count Morbius on Channel Eight, but. Like, it's Joe Bob, and it's uh, Svenguli, so it's still awesome. Very awesome. Um, the kings of... The, the kings now of, yep. of this whole genre, and it's just... It was just so cool, and I had that moment of, like, I felt like a kid again, slash, you know, what if this trend keeps uh-huh. going, you know? How many more core hosts are going to come back? It would be so cool. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so... Um, so yeah, so I watched uh, Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2, Blood Harvest, and Ghost of Frankenstein on Svenguli, which I hadn't seen that one in a while, so that was fun. Um, I watched Frightmare, because I thought that would be an insane pick, but really wasn't that big of a fan. Uh, 1983's Frightmare, which is about a group of teens that decide to steal the fresh corpse of this famous horror actor, and... Um, uh, and then, like, the the actor comes back to life and gets revenge. And it was kind of so-so. Uh, I was really into it, like, you know, stealing the corpse and all that stuff. Kind of, you know, flashback to Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things for me, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, so I thought it was going to go in a cool route like that. But, uh, you know, it it tried way too hard on atmosphere without actually having really creepy atmosphere, you know. So... I was kind of let down by that. Um, I had recently listened to the old episode of um, Bobcat on the movie Crypt, so I got um, excited to watch some Bobcat. Uh, so I went back and watched Shakes the Clown for the first time in forever. Oh, man, I love that movie. Um, technically speaking, it's got some issues. You can definitely tell it's one of his early directing efforts, but uh, but, man, I still love that movie. Very, very much. I was also really excited that um, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, the Adult Swim show, has been picked up for another season, so I got to see the first couple episodes of that. And then lastly, in my uh, um, my drunken state of sickness, I watched Forbidden Zone for the first time, and I feel like, almost feel like I should turn in my cult movie you know, fandom card for never seeing this movie before because this movie's nuts and it's definitely something that you should not be watching when you're like sick and you're running a fever and you're half dead on the couch because talk about a fever dream right so um i'm not gonna go too much into it because i'll probably save it for an insane's pick but uh 
That movie's nuts. Yeah, definitely gotta check that one out. Forbidden Zone. And that's what I watched. Yeah, I forgot one. Oh, I also geez. watched Demonica because it's on Amazon Prime right. right now. So I'm gonna get that plug in there. Her movie with, with a sweet thunder sound in the background. That was well timed. Demonica on Amazon Prime. <laughs> anyway, I'll shut up. All right, Reeve, what did you watch? Um, we got to see a few things. Um, constantly behind on Joe Bob, which actually I kind of love being behind on him because at least this way I always have something to look forward to watching. And wow, I had never seen Society before. Nice. Ooh. That that was that was something else. That was a. Uh, was that shunting? Is that what he was talking about in the ring? Yep, the shunting. The shunting. <laughs> wow. But, you know, it was cool because, like, you know, it's Screaming Mad George special effects, which, Woo! you know, like, I, I remember way back, like, when I was in high school for, like, for like one of my English classes, I had to write like some kind of report. So I went through some Fangoria magazines and wrote one on like special effects artists. And I know like Screaming Mad George was one of them that I had in there. And so it was kind of cool just to see just him and all his glory in that movie. Just wow. And, but yeah, talk about that was, Ooh, that's something else to watch though. <coughs> um, and then, it's not really horror, but on Netflix, I watched The Wandering Earth. What's that? Uh, it's okay. It's actually one of the biggest worldwide box office smashes of the year. Just not here in the United States, just everywhere else. It's a Chinese-made sci-fi movie where the sun's gonna blow up or something. So they're gonna so they strap all these engines or whatever to one side of the Earth, and they're gonna move it to another galaxy or to another solar system or whatever. Hmm. Uh, okay, I'm going to say the premise, I think, is probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. But, damn, it was really, really well made, worth watching. You know, I mean, it's, if you like those, like, Roland Emmerich movies, only better made, this is kind of worth watching. But, yeah, it was, you know, it, it, had, it had some cool stuff in it, but it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of fun to watch. Um... <coughs> Other than between that and I know there's a few other things I watched too and just kind of drawn blanks. Um, one thing I did get to go do is I did get to go to Omaha and I took my daughter to go see a showing of Nemesis 5 at theater, which is awesome because I got to write Nemesis 5, so that was pretty amazing. Whoa. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that, that was cool. and she, It was cool for her because she got to... You know, she, she's like in the very like one of the opening scenes of the movie. So she, you know, that's kind of like the main character and only real young before she grows up. So that, that was just really cool. Either that kind of behind a little bit. So, but yeah, I've been, hopefully I'll get out and start seeing a few more movies now. <laughs> yeah. What have you seen, Ted? I've got quite a list, but I, uh, am going to sort of barrel through it here. I saw, well, first off, I, I have been keeping up with Joe Bob. I watch it live every Friday because, to me, part of the appeal is the social interaction. So uh, I watch it with, at, at, when is airing, and I get on Twitter and sort of watch uh, Darcy and Joe Bob sort of give secondary commentary live during the movie and see fans, you know, comment back and forth. It's a lot of fun to see, sort of like, 
hanging out with a, a huge group of friends all watching at the same time. It's something I'm, I uh, adore. So been keeping up with that. Um, I did see, I saw John Wick 3, which is fantastic. I've, I've watched quite a bit of non-horror stuff that I'll just list that I am not going to talk too much about. I saw uh, this movie called Dave Made a Maze. It's a oh, yeah. independent movie. Have you seen that? No, but I've seen the trailer, and it, I always thought it looked really cool. Yeah, it's uh, starring comedian Nick Thune, and he basically awesome. builds a, yeah, a cardboard maze, and his, his, his girlfriend, I believe, or his wife comes home, and he's built this cardboard maze in the living room like a kid. And he's he's telling her through it like he can't get out, and uh, they all think he's sort of joking, but th- he finally lets them come in, and it turns out it's like a huge labyrinth, all made of cardboard. It's very very creative. Um, I won't spoil anything else outside of that premise because uh, I highly recommend it. If you have Hulu, it's on there. Oh, awesome! So check that out. That dude's hilarious. Yeah, I, yeah, and it has has a really good cast, and it's just really really. It's one of those like little indie movies that. It's sort of inspiring because it's like, it, I don't even know how to explain it. It's, it's so unique and crazy and out there that I, I just love that someone came up with this in their mind. It's very, it's like the imagination of a child. It's really cool. But uh, I checked that out. I saw Booksmart, which was uh, unfairly, I think, is being called sort of the female version of Superbad. It has some similarities because, you know, it's two high school girls. <laughs> that want to sort of exp- they're both book nerds and they want to go out and experience a party for the first time right before graduation so i get the comparisons but um yeah. i think it's sort of downplaying it because it's it's a little bit less juvenile a little more smart it's directed by olivia wilde oh that's right mm. yeah and i guess it's not doing very well they not tracking like they Wanted it to at the box office this weekend, but um, I, I really enjoyed it. I recommend checking it out. Um, I The other big one I saw was Bright, Brightburn. Oh, man. I want to no. see that so bad. Yeah, that one's really damn cool. It's exactly as advertised, but I did not really expect it to be so... I mean, I saw some of the reviews saying, you know, it's basically like a slasher with Superman as a kid or being, you know, <laughs> horror. I, I think that might be a little bit of a stretch, but damn, I didn't expect oh. it to be so so brutal and um, mean-spirited. So it's just so good, man. Yeah, it's cool as hell. I, I won't spoil anything for you guys because you're going to see it anyways, but I recommend it. It's a cool little indie movie. I'm glad it finally came out. It looks to be doing okay at the box office because it's not... I heard it was... Gosh, what what number? I think it was like really really low budgets, like seven million or something. Oh, and uh, it already made its money back this weekend, so good on that. I, I I also love the idea that James Gunn he started in these little indie films, he got his big break from Marvel, and then he gives back and just like hires his friends and gives and basically jumps on as producer for these little projects that he just wants to see get made. Yep, you know, yeah, that's like, very cool. He, his uh, brother and cousin wrote this, and then a good friend directed it. So it's sort of like he jumps in, uses his fame to help get projects that would otherwise sit on the shelf. He helps them get made, so that's really cool. And for the most part, too, like yeah, you because know, when that used to, when Wes Craven used to do that stuff, it was very hit, and, hit or miss, or even Del Toro. Um, when his name was, was his name's attached to something, and it's just his name, 
you know, is the selling card. It's uh, it, th that stuff's also hit and miss. But James, the stuff James Gunn is putting his name on has been pretty solid so far. I feel. Gosh, I hope it yeah, releases wider this next weekend. What's that? I hope it releases wider. Mm. Hit some more because it didn't come to our town. Oh, you guys don't have Brightburn. I figured nope. it was just a wide release because it. it nope. We had like the early preview screenings and stuff, and no. Nope. Well, it's probably not going to hit this week because this week, uh, yeah. you know, the sun with the summer blockbusters coming out, we're actually like like movies are leaving the theater. So, but I'm hoping to go see Godzilla late, f yes. late Thursday. Yes. Um, actually, right now on the background, in the background, um, Stars is showing uh, Godzilla Marathon, so I sort of have that on on mute. But, <laughs> cool. Um, and I guess one last thing that I've been watching—it's sort of a weird thing. When I'm uh, getting ramping up for the film festival, I always have something that I like attached to and I play while I'm work getting work done. Um, last maybe it was two years ago, I, I watched the all of Twin Peaks all the way through again, but uh, this year i've been this last couple of weeks i've been watching a lot of unsolved mysteries because it's all on uh prime all the original uh robert stack episodes awesome and <clears throat> man like some of that stuff is you know i don't get scared by movies really anymore but some of that stuff's freaky because it's real yeah. and you know even though the, the reenactments can be pretty corny and stuff some of that shit is just it's really, really damn creepy. So, uh, with his narration and that f that fucking score of yeah. the show, that's all, that's all you need. He could be telling yeah. like a bedtime story, and it would be creepy. And what's sort of cool now that they brought him onto Prime, they have some episodes that have annotations, so they add in like what you know since the episode has aired, what's happened. Oh, cool. So oh, sweet. yeah, yeah. They update some of the episodes if the person's been found or if things have changed or if the person's got out of prison and stuff. So that's sort of a cool little addition to watching it now on streaming. But uh, I watched that kid, that show a lot as a kid. I did and too. Yeah. When I'm watching it at like three in the morning while I'm working on something, I tend to just sort of get creeped out when I go upstairs and to like a dark house. And yeah, there's some there's some really freaky episodes on there. And some really fun ones, you know, the UFO ones and stuff are sort of uh, not necessarily funny because it's all, you know, real stories. But uh, the reenactments are sort of hokey. But the, the the ones about unsolved murders and stuff that just freaks me out. People that just disappear Oof. that freaks me out more than like mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I watch. All right, so. Time to get into our topic, Till Death Do Us Part. Movies about or around weddings and marriage. I'm going to start us off with our first film, Hatchet for the Honeymoon. This film was released in 1970, directed by Mario Bava, so of course I had to get course. A, ba a Bava film on here. And I, this, I've always really, really liked this movie. Basically, um, this uh, cleaver-wielding bridal designer murders various young brides-to-be in an attempt to unlock his uh, repressed childhood trauma concerning the death of his mother. Um, when, he he, when he decides to murder his, actual, his own wife, uh, she becomes a ghost that just won't leave. And that was the thing I always really liked about this movie. 
Uh, it's it's a little bit of a slow burn, but um, the uh, the aspect of the of the uh, ghost of the wife just continually haunting him through the whole second half of the movie. I, I've always really loved that, and um, it was actually kind of sort of like a spark of inspiration for our movie The Bagman. Um, the idea of, of just this ghost always being around. So. I thought it was cool how it was, it seemed like the opposite of a ghost, where he couldn't see her, but everyone else could. Yeah. Yeah, that interesting was, concept, that, an that interesting neat. way to handle it. In a way that it clearly drove him mad, more mad probably that way. Mm-hmm. That was neat, though. Yeah, yeah, so um, what did you think of the movie overall, Jason? Uh, I sure liked how they switched that ghost part around. Uh, I wanted to like... I mean, it was, it was fine. It was fine. That's where I'm at on it. It's fine. Because um, slow burns don't bother me. I like them more and more. It was very Italian. Yeah. So just... You can just feel it. You just tell. You just It just is. And that... I don't know, there's just automatic when you're watching an Italian film it just feels good but, I don't know it was it was fine it was okay I feel like yeah. I've been spoiled because I feel like this is something that I would want Joe Bob to crack in every 20 minutes yeah! and about it. so I'm like, at the same time that I'm, I'm happy he's back, he's ruining bad movies for me because I can't watch them without his commentary I'm like, I'm like, okay, when's the commercial break coming up where I get to hear the history of uh, this this weird actor that we've, he, we see in the scene or something, you know? Making us like it more. That's the Joe Bob power. Did you, do you like it? Who are you talking to? You, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, when I was younger, this, is, this was probably... My favorite Bava, but it was also still early in my Bava viewings. Oh. And again, the the dead wife thing had a lot to do with the appeal of this movie. You know, I understand it's a slow burn. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, payoff when it comes to the kills. Nope. Um, in it, uh, but just that that concept, you know, and especially from a movie from 1970 to have such a uh, such a unique premise to it. It's always stood out for me. Now, of course, it's gone down the list of as far as favorite Bama movies as I um, have grown more versed in, in the world of Bava, you know. Kind of like, you know, Black <clears throat> Black Sunday, Black Sabbath, uh, Bay of Blood. Um, Blood and Black Lace. Blood and Black Lace. Um, and speaking of Black Sabbath, that was the movie that was playing on the TV when the Cops show up saying that they heard a woman, and that uh, heard a woman screaming, and I thought that was hilarious. I kind of thought it was funny the next day when the cops like, you know, I did research on that movie you were watching, <laughs> and at that moment that we heard the screams, there was no screaming going on in the movie. Well, like, come on, what cop would what cop would do that? <laughs> How would you figure that out? Anyway, but uh, but yeah, no, I. <clears throat> I've always really liked this movie, so. But Mike, what do you think of? Uh, um, I, I love. I, I'm a I'm a I'm a Baba fan. I love, I love trashy Euro horror. 
So this one wasn't really that trashy, but that's okay. But you know, it had the it had the really cool Bava style about it, which I always kind of appreciate. Um, I, I think it kind of cracked me up right at the beginning because they're doing the credits, and you got that real bad Euro piano horror music playing. It's like, oh god, which you know that never sounds good. You know, you only hear that from the seventies though too. Which you know, and and you hear that off and on throughout the movie. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the now the meat cleaver they used, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, that was kind of neat. I like the way that you know he was kind of white. He was wiping the blood off of uh, wiping the blood off of it on the bride's uh, wedding dress. I thought that was actually kind of neat. Um, yeah, shouldn't it be a cleaver for the honeymoon? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Translation. Oh yeah, you know, that's what happens. Um but yeah, the but the movie actually really got way more interesting after he killed his wife. <coughs> so I thought, you know, and that whole scene, you know, after right after he kills his wife and she's dying, she's on the steps, and then the cop comes, as she's still just breathing like her last breaths on the steps, the blood's dripping there. Yeah, the blood's dripping. That was cool, yeah. That, I mean, that's like, that's the scene of the movie right there. That is like the best scenes of the movie. Um, yeah, I was like, and as far as Baba, Baba movies, you know. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking the house. Uh, yep. Bay, Bay of Blood is probably my favorite. You know, th- this one didn't have, this one didn't, I didn't feel really have any real iconic scenes about it. Whereas you go into some of the other Bava movies, you can find that one real just iconic scene. Yeah, that's true. I I can agree with that. <coughs> but overall, I mean, it's, you know, it's like you know, it, it did what it did to build up some tension at times. Um, and I thought it was interesting that you know this guy's a psychopath. First scene, first scene of the movie, he's the killer. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. It almost feels like this movie starts in the middle of the story. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It was like I liked it, you know, because you know I, I like a good Euro slow burn. But you know, I was like, I like it, but not as much as some others. So, I'll just want to point out you could you guys both sound like psychopaths because you both were like, uh, my outside, you know, <laughs> I, I really love the part about. You know the dead wife. <laughs> when they finally murders the wife, it's good. Uh, well, but... I think this this episode's going to be really <laughs> revealing on how I feel about uh, marriage. <laughs> I thought you know I, I'm I'm right on um, my Grebe's side because I felt the same way. It, it's hard for me not to like these sort of uh, Italian weirdo horror movies, but. There's some. There, there's a lot that are better, but you know, obviously, this is it's fit for a theme, uh, and I, I, for some reason, love the scenes where they're such assholes to each other when oh, they're yeah. sitting talking, and she's like, you know, he, he, yeah. he, they're talking about getting divorced, and they're just going back and forth. I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not sitting here watching this with Nikki because she'll probably have some smart ass things. <laughs> I'm like, don't give her any ideas because, man, they are just bickering back and forth the whole time you sort of want you know someone to get murdered you know it's coming 
it was it was kind of that that was actually really interesting. Yeah, because you know it's like they both have like this marriage of convenience. They both can't stand each other, but it's like they both are kind of using each other. Right. And yeah, I mean. <coughs> I'm not going to just side on his side because he was an asshole, too. You know, they both were complete dicks to each other. So, now, obviously, that doesn't condone murder, but you could obviously see it coming. Yeah, but the whole thing with her, like, oh, I'm going to leave. Okay. And then he comes home. I'm like, oh, I'm back. Took the first way back. I'm not leaving you. It's like, wow, that is a dick move right there. I was kind of impressed. <laughs> One of my favorite things from these movies uh, of this time era is all the clothes. I just love all the <laughs> outfits, man. Like, that stuff kills me. I love it. Oh, yeah. Dressed to the T all the time. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, one other thing I'm going to say, though, it's like you look at a lot of the actresses that they have in these movies, and they have. Okay, most of the actresses, especially like with Baba and. Roland and some of these other uh, directors, they have these actresses that are so captivating to look at and to, to watch, you know, which is actually kind of neat, you know, because like the, um, uh, the, the the girl that he had hired on, was it Helen or whatever, you just look at her, she's, you know, the way she's like made up, is like almost looks perfect, you know, she looks just like artistic in a way, which I thought was actually kind of neat, you know, the, and they do that with like some of the other actresses in that movie where they have this artistic look about them. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. I hope Andy didn't take a hatchet with him. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I think he would be the one getting murdered, so... Yeah, we're all pretty sure of that. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be the first to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, cool. So snuck some Baba on there. That's right. Nice. That's right. Yeah, not the not the best Baba, you know, but uh, but still, still a fun one. I think still a good one. Yeah. I don't have the list in front of me. Did you guys uh, do a Baba episode? I'm assuming. No. No, but we should. I was sitting here. Yeah. Talking Baba, I kind of want to do more. Well, I have the you know this. Going back to the episode where it's unwrapped, I have this big uh, Bava DVD set that I need to hit up and need an excuse to. So, <laughs> oh, that, nice. I what, see that in our future. What's all in it? Um, I don't know. It's across the room, so I can't oh, okay. get to it. But uh, it has some good stuff on it. Obviously, I think it has uh, something. You know, every movie probably has black in the title, so <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that narrows it down to his whole filmography. But. <laughs> No, not all of them. If it if it has if it doesn't have black in the title, it's got blood in the title. Blood, yeah, black blood or lace. Well, oh, but he's done a lot of really really wild. He's done a lot of really wild stuff though, because I think he didn't he do like one of the Hercules movies, <clears throat> and then I think um, it was a Planet of Vampires and stuff like that. Planet so, of, like, guys, Planet of Vampires, I love that movie. It is also a yeah. super slow burn, but like mm-hmm. uh, you can definitely see. You know, there's been debate amongst some of the more distinguished Italian cinephiles that say that Ridley Scott ripped off um, Planet of the Vampires for Alien. And, you know, um, uh, mood-wise and stuff like that, you can kind of, you can see comparisons between the two films. Which is crazy, because, yeah. like, 
you know, Planet of the Vampires, they dress like they're, you know, their spacesuits, they look like they're straight out of some cheesy-ass 50s um, sci-fi movie, but uh, but there is a lot of really cool atmosphere in that film. And his his technique for special effects have always astounded me. He, he, he always knew how to shoot special effects, which is a bummer that he, you know, passed away when he did, um, I would love to see how he would work with where technology is with special effects today. Because some of the oh, stuff yeah. he pulled off with no budget is unbelievable. I found the uh, box set that I bought on Amazon. <laughs> it has Black Sunday, Black Sabbath, The Girl Who Knew Too Much, Knives of the Avenger, and Kill Baby Kill. Ooh, Kill oh, Baby Kill's good. I love Kill Baby. That movie's awesome. Yeah, so this is like the Mario Bava Collection Volume 1. I bought it on June 10th, 2007, <laughs> and I have not watched it yet. <laughs> I mean, I've seen almost all these movies. There are a few I haven't. that um, I'd have to look at the covers and see which which of the black ones I have and haven't seen because they all sort of, uh, from the titles, run together. But um, it would be a good excuse to dip into it. Now, I'm going to say, Kill Baby Kill actually has one of my favorite scenes of all time in that movie. And, oh, God, it's so cool. Because he's got this scene where the guy just kind of keeps, he keeps running it, he's running through his castle, and he keeps running to the same room over and over and over again. And he keeps running to the point where he actually catches himself. It's like, oh, that's awesome. That, and that was, that was just an amazing, yeah, it's, that was really worth checking out. Another one of his that I really liked is Danger Diabolique. Yeah, that one's a really cool, like an Italian anti-superhero movie. It's it's a lot of fun and also some great use of of forced perspective, special effects, and stuff like that. And that was like the last um, that was like the last episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Uh, you know, but well, obviously before the new Netflix version, but. That was like the last Sci-Fi Channel episode was Danger Diabolique. And Beastie Boys did a parody of that movie in one of their music videos. I can't remember what song. It's like Body Move In, I think. Yeah, or something, some, something uh, like that. Yeah, I know. I remember that video. So yeah, Bava rules. So yeah, we will have to do a Bava episode. And we'll have to have, have, to have Mike Reed back on. Oh, for sure. Baba episode. Oh yeah, I'd be all. You know anything that you know anything that's trashy or a horror man. If you get a genre win episode, oh dude, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a real. You might, you might put half of you guys to sleep, but oh god, the the way he got the way that guy does it. Oh, huge fan, huge fan. Awesome. All right, so we should move on. Um, Tad, what's our next movie we're going to talk about? <sighs> The next movie we're talking about, we're going back to 1958 for I Married a Monster from Outer Space. A beautiful, innocent girl on her honeymoon. Her passionate dreams of perfect romance turned into a living nightmare. For this sweetheart she married, the man she had loved, was merely the hollow shell for the invaders from outer space. Bill! 
who would believe her? Who could help her through the flesh-crawling terror of this unearthly marriage when anyone she turned to could be one of them? Could she touch the body of this masquerading alien who wanted to learn the secrets of human love? Your race has no women. It can't have children. It will die out. Eventually, we'll have children with you. What kind of children? All kind. Was it true? Could space monsters mate with Earth women? See the startling answer in the shocker of them all. So I married a monster from outer space, like I said, 1958. It's a black and white sort of. Uh, I mean, you you know the time period. It's from Paramount, so it's. It, I'm guessing it was sort of a uh, bigger movie. You know, it's done by a big studio, and very 50s. I would say oh, very yeah. late 50s. Um, you know, the typical. Um, I don't even know, like. How would you even explain the time period? Very Twilight Zoney, but not obviously not quite as uh, good. But <laughs> the, the story—I'll just get to the story because you know, I, I actually really thought this one was quite fun. Um, young young lady, a wife and her husband live together, and she's starting to feel like he's not really giving her the attention and affection that she craves. He's not fulfilling his husbandly duties and she gets him a pet dog buys him a present just surprises him with a dog which never do that but um no. the dog is not happy to see him the dog acts out and barks at him and we obviously as the audience members uh from the title alone we sort of know where this is going <laughs> but uh she slowly learns that He's not her husband anymore. Something is something has changed. Something's different, and uh, he's actually an alien. So she follows him out one night. When he leaves the house in the middle of the night and finds him out in the sort of in the woods, and she starts to find out that um, other guys in town are also also not quite human. They're also aliens, but. Um, Sort of a, you know, it's not quite as, as hokey as I thought it might be. It sort of plays it straight, and it's good. It's entertaining. It's just like these movies. It's it's 77 minutes, so you're not investing a whole lot of time in it. It has some good performances. Uh, but like I said, you sort of get the idea right away. There's no real surprises in this one, and I feel like... There was probably a whole wave of movies like this around that time period. Oh yeah, that for sure. And close nuclear you know. 50s. Yeah, I, I this this film I think falls into that that subcategory of like Cold War propaganda type films because it's it's very much of like invasion of the body snatchers kind of thing. Yeah. Like you don't know who to trust kind of 
scenario, you know, you can't trust your neighbor, you can't trust your own husband, you know, secret agendas, stuff like that. So um, it's very much of that era. You can't shoot them, but if you got a German Shepherd, they're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> My thing, I, I really like this movie a lot too, and it's been forever since I've seen it, so it was so much fun going back and watching it. And I watched it on YouTube with the... Uh, Hell the, yeah. Uh, Commander USA Groovy Movies episode. Yeah. I wish I, I should have watched it that way. I found it on there and then I, I thought, well, I'll just watch it straight, straight laced. And I sort of regret, I, I wish I would have watched it. Well, the only problem is, I mean, <clears throat> it's a shitty recording dub off of off of a VHS, off of when it aired yeah, on, it on so cable. Good, but... So it looked pretty shitty. So you probably got to see more in this movie than I did. <laughs> um, that scene where she's writing a letter. Uh, there in the first half of the movie, she's writing some letter, and I'm, I'm like, oh, please have voiceover narration because I can't read a le- <laughs> I can't read a single word of what she's writing in that letter. A lot of the night scenes were kind of hard to make out what was going on. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he but- didn't miss much. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the thing that I've always loved about this movie is the is the creature design. It's kind yeah. of like like. Um, humanoid body kind of but kind of blobby like with just like this kind of like these gooey phalanges just kind of hanging down and stuff and back in the back when i was a kid there was a series of like these little these little rubber um uh toys Uh, i think the first time they ever came out with them was in like mcdonald's happy meals but uh they were called uh the denier space creatures and they weren't like officially licensed characters, and they were all like just single colored li- colors. Um, but they were all based, the designs of them were all based off of different 50s sci fi um, B movies. And that one was one of my favorites out of all of them that I had. And they had one that was like based off of like the Batman from Twilight People, uh, the Alien from Invasion of the Saucer Men. Um, the alien, the amphibian creature from uh, Destination Inner Space, um, you know, just uh, there was a ton of them, and this one was always my favorite. And after you know, through the years of them falling apart or losing them, that was the one I held on to the longest. Was the one um, I think I think they called it the tree trunk monster, but it was blatantly obvious it was the uh, the the monster from outer space. Um, yeah, I think the acting was great. I was into the story. My only question, and did I miss it? Uh, did they ever explain the motivation of the aliens? Why they're doing what they're doing? No, and I thought they were actually like the least. I mean, it just was not at all threatening. Like they were like the most, and she was like pretty damn cool about her husband being an alien now. <laughs> like it was the most unassuming. Like she's like, oh, I know what you are, and. He's like, yeah, that's what I am. Anyways, yeah, they never. Yeah. I, I thought I thought they were all coming to. Um, I, I thought I thought I was kind of like leading up to like their their race is kind of dying out or something like that, and they're trying to figure out a way to breed with the human women. Yeah, well, I think that's what it was. But does it ever say it though? I mean, because it's a it's a long play. It's a long plan because she get she gets married to him. Obviously, some things are weird right around the honeymoon time. And then it cuts to a year later, and so, so this one alien has been been working this plan for a year, and 
they're not getting pregnant because she even goes to the doctor to have herself checked out to find out why she's not getting pregnant. And when he and when she tells when she tells him about it, he doesn't seem that concerned about them not getting pregnant. So if the plan is to repopulate, like you think he'd be a little bit more have a little more sense of urgency about that plan. (laughs) I'm not sure the aliens were concerned about much because even at the end, they're like, ah. It ain't really working out here. Let's just go ahead and go. <laughs> you know, they're just... Maybe they're just fucking around. <laughs> I don't know. Because then there's that one scene, like, when he first finds another alien disguised as a human. Yeah. Like, he doesn't even believe him at first. Yeah, He's like, comes right out and says, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an alien, too, in so many words. And he's like, yeah, right. And it, does, it takes all the way to, like, changing his face... Into the alien form before the guy freaking finally believes him that he's one of them. So, <clears throat> yeah, they, they, they were not the most effective alien invaders because you know they they had something set up. You know the you know the scene where they're like you know trying to trap the people like trap at least trap her in the town, or like when she tries to send the uh, telegram to the FBI and he just kind of rips it up, throws it away. It's like okay, there's aliens some higher up. It's like they've been here for a year. They should have this town locked down. Should be no problem. And yet, you know, she finally tells the doctor what she thinks is going on. And he's like, you know what? I believe you. We're going to go find this out. And he's like, what? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but with all that said, it's, it's a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I really yeah. li- I like the monster design. The, I thought they were really cool looking. And I didn't mind... The effect of the face shift shifting, you know, it was cool. Um, yeah, the actors were good. I love the fact how at the beginning of the movie, like everybody's just drinking and smoking. It was all yes. about drinking. All oh my about gosh! Drinking. Yeah, you got the prostitute hanging out in the bar too. It's like, all right, that's actually kind of cool. These guys are talking about how long before they get divorced or whatnot. It's like. You know, and it's like some conversations you don't really expect to hear from 50s movies, which I actually kind of appreciate all that. It is it is funny and interesting where smoking has has gone in our country, in our world. Um, when there's that scene where she's like, she can't find the cigarette lighter, and he says that he had to, he had to go have it repaired. I'm like, you had to go have the cigarette lighter prepared? <laughs> Bitch, you could just pick those up at the fucking corner store for 50 cents. Come on. And I love the fact that how now that he's an alien, he doesn't drink. Well, he can smoke like a chimney, but no, he can't drink. <laughs> and the Commander USA sure helped it go down even <laughs> better. So that's on YouTube. You all can find it and watch it there. Yep. Yeah, if you type in the title of the movie, the Commander USA episode will pop right up too. So, but yeah, <clears throat> sneaking in some fifties. Yeah, it's. I th- I think uh, we should, you, you, Mike. You need to find some public domain movies and just um, edit yourself into them and host them yourself. Well, he's Doctor oh. Insane has been a don't, yeah. Don't tempt me, man. A character he's had for a while. I've wanted to. do I know. It. I'll, you can. It's so you know the world's ready for it right now. Throw him up on YouTube. That would be fun. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a thing. It's a thing. There's a, lo- a lot of TV online TV horror movie hosts, you know, all showing the same movies because uh, like in afford public domain. But still, like, yeah, 
I've been tempted to do it forever. It's always just like, it's something I've always wanted to do, but it's like another thing that I have on my plate right now. I don't know. So Would it be weird to do your, do your own movies? I don't know. Huh. No. I'd be game for that, though. Sounds just masturbatory enough <laughs> for prescribed films. <clears throat> I thought I had something else I wanted to say about this movie. I'm blanking on what it was. Man, that you're, you. I was married to an alien once too. <laughs> <laughs> she was out of this world. I mean, not, it, obviously, this movie, like I said, is, is a commentary on like, you know, the the fear the cold war fear in our country at the time and and uh but i also feel like it is kind of a uh kind of a satirical nod at uh marriage in the 50s as well because there's a lot of like poking at the ribs and jokes at the expense of marriage in the movie and like you know, they get married. How quickly he changes, and oh, and I love how how it takes her over a year to figure out that he, <laughs> there's something not right with her husband, and he's an alien. You think by then she'd just be accustomed to uh, to his quirkiness at that point. I also like. I mean, this movie, if it was made today, I would think there'd be a lot more. Um, I would love to see a lot more of the transition of him kind of learning to be human. You know, because we go from he doesn't even know what headlights are to <laughs> to being able to sell insurance policies. Right. So, you know that that was the one thing I I thought was actually kind of neat about his character, though, is because like you get to you get to the end of the movie, and you get the feeling that he actually kind of cares for her. You know that he's got to this point where he does care for her, and. Yeah. And you also kind of get the feeling that she doesn't totally hate him, you know. And that's and that was that was just kind of weird the way they kind of did that. It's like because they they've been with each other for a year, you kind of you know things just you know you kind of notice things about people, but at the same time you start to either become accustomed or start to appreciate some of this type of stuff, which is I, I thought that was actually kind of interesting the way they kind of worked that in a little bit. Yeah, you know. When he dies, you actually kind of feel kind of bad for him in a way. Yeah, you know, you're you're kind of right. I didn't really think too much of it, but like now that you mention it, like you 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 go into this movie and you're kind of expecting him when when he's the alien that you know he's maybe he's going to be like abusive or he's going to be yelling at her all the time and you know or just you know a huge dick or whatever. But uh, not really. I mean, he had a couple moments here and there, and obviously. You know, the worst of this character is the fact that he kills that dog, you know. But uh, other than that, like, yeah, she she could have been just as happy with him as it would have been with the real dude. Other than the fact that she'd been lied to for a year that she'd been married to an alien the whole time and not the man she actually thought she was married to, but... Yeah, well, I... I I would love to sneak more like classics into the show, <laughs> like like this one. We don't get to do enough of them, I feel. And and it's you know it's just I don't want you know these old films to get forgotten either. So anyway, let's move on to our last film. Uh, what's going to be the last one we're going to talk about this episode, Jason? Our last one we're going to talk about 
Bride of Reanimator. Herbert West is not just your ordinary doctor. Others dare not dream what we are about to do. He intends to make medical history. This is no longer about just reanimating the dead. With the help of Daniel Kane. It's never gonna work. It's gonna be uncontrollably spastic. And a few select friends. Mr. took my body, but he cannot take my mind. He's about to bring his dream to life. And God created woman. Someone old. What's dead is dead. Someone new. It is some kind of joke, right, man? How dare you judge my work? Someone borrowed. Who is she? Someone blue. This morbid doodling with human body parts. Is this what it's all about? Something so shocking. It must be true. There is my creation. Take a note of it, Dan. Rejects. Daniel! You're coming! You made me! I made you! <laughs> Forget it, Dan. She's just an assembly of dead tissue. H.P. Lovecraft's Bride of Reanimator. <laughs> Are we having fun yet? <laughs> Bride of Reanimator came out in 1989. Tagline's pretty funny. It's uh, date, mate, reanimate. <laughs> and uh, directed by Brian Usna. Music by Richard Band. All right, a little about the story. Pretty much pick up after the first reanimator um kind of starts off in peru dr herbert west and dr dan keen are medical volunteers in a civil war with the assistant francesca Dinelli, and they are researching how to create human life from dead tissue using wounded soldiers as guinea pigs um, they eventually return to the miskatonic hospital and dan treats a terminal patient gloria and gets a little too close to her when the Snoopy Lieutenant Leslie Chapham investigates the Miskatonic Massacre, he learns that body parts are missing in the morgue, and Herbert and Dan become his prime suspects. But Herbert kills the lieutenant and revives him with the serum. Meanwhile, Dr. Graves finds the head of Dr. Carl Hill and the green substance that the deceased doctor stole from Herbert and uses the serum to resurrect Dr. Hill's head. Um, when Gloria dies, Herbert and Dan use her head with Meg's heart and parts of other women to create the perfect woman. Um, but Lieutenant Chapham, Chapham teams up with Dr. Hill to seek revenge against those crazy scientists we love. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. It's good to see it again. It's been forever. Yep. It was good because um, just last year at Halloween Palooza, we had Kathleen Kinmont, and so it was good to see her kicking butt in a movie. She was great as Gloria and the Bride. 
She was obviously in Halloween 4 and your favorite summer sex 80s comedy fraternity vacation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, the nerd that I am, when I when we had Kathleen at Halloween Apalooza, I, I had to ask her, I'm like, okay, so you were in fraternity vacation, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. teen sex comedies. And your partner in crime in that movie was Barbara Crampton, who was in the first Reanimator. And then you were in Bride. Were you guys still friends after Fraternity Vacation? And when Bride came up, did you talk to her about what it was like to do Reanimator? And she said... I don't remember. Yeah. You were too busy going, oh, yep, she's much. talking to me. But that's... Uh, I, was, I was really excited for her because, you know, growing up for me, she was CIA codename Alexa. So I was like, oh, yeah. Oh. That, that, that was the thing for me right there. I was like, oh, yeah. I was all over that. <laughs> so she, yeah, she was awesome in the movie. And, like, her look as the reanimated bride or whatever you want to call it is pretty freaking cool. That, that whole, was awesome. That whole, uh, you know, top not top job to, like, I believe Scream at George, George and I think KMB also and worked KMB, on it. Yep. So specifically which parts I... Couldn't Can't tell you. Yeah. Um, I think like Screaming Mad George did more of the like little finger crazy eye things, yep. like the uh-huh. little little finger eye thing, or the the dog with the human arm, that kind of stuff. But yep. uh, um, so maybe K and B did her, but that whole like break apart scene at the oh, end, but... freaking awesome, where she just basically tears herself apart. So I was watching the credits after the at the end, and it was cool to see Screaming Mad George, John Carl Beekler, oh, and yeah, Robert John Kurtzman, all, yeah, all th- and Robert Kurtzman, all three of those guys working on this movie together. Yeah, that's freaking awesome. That's that's a team up. Mm-hmm. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot John Carl Beekler worked on it too. Damn it. You but, think uh, in this instance, like the first one was so wildly popular that it's sort of like. You know, for a sequel, people were like, "Man, that would be fun to work on one of those movies." <laughs> oh, I'd imagine. Yeah, I imagine this would be a job that affects guys putting a bid for instead of like waiting to get hired. You know what I mean? Right. A chance to work on the sequel to Reanimator. Forget about it. Um, a chance to be around Bruce Abbott's mullet. Yeah. <laughs> Forget his, about it. His mullet was quite glorious, and like, <laughs> like. How much better of a doctor, mad scientist would Bruce Abbott be if he, um, if he would like just quit thinking with his penis in oh, every movie? He's, it leads him all astray the whole movie. Two women in this movie, Two. <laughs> which I'm surprised you haven't um, brought up. You know the woman that plays well, Francisca, Fabiana Udinio. Yeah, ski, summer oh, school. Oh yeah, yeah, summer oh, school. school. Also, RoboCop 2. Also in the army now with Paul Shore. <laughs> but summer school, yay! For Fabiana. Yeah. yeah, it's always good to see and her. And she's also in Austin Powers. Awesome. Powers. That's right, she is in Austin yeah. Powers. She farts in a hot tub. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, second, the, second I, the second I saw her, I'm like, oh my god, yes! Yep, mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Combs as... Herbert West again, um, in full form, just as awesome as ever. Yeah, and like, I, he has this sort of some, something about he like he can only do this character where he's just 100% f- 
focused on that work and so incredibly insensitive to human life <laughs> that I just love because <laughs> it's it's just little little things where it's like throughout the whole thing, you know, that he does not want to waste a human body. He does not, you know what I mean? He's just so, he plays that lunatic who's driven mad by his work so perfectly yep. well, you know. But what kind of makes, well, I think I had this realization um, watching this movie, especially when it came to that scene where um, Kathleen uh, is is dying and they, they're trying to resuscitate her and Herbert um, bumps in and like does the um, rib splitter and massages the heart and everything. And at that moment, he seems to really care about about trying keeping to, her, trying uh -huh. to keep her alive. Um, so I think that's always been there with him. I mean, that's obviously uh, you would think that's why he got into this whole thing in the first place is the preservation of human life, um, obviously. But like you said, Tad, it's kind of driven him mad. But I had this kind of realization of like. What I think makes him such a likable anti-hero um, that we actually like and root for, like this guy and root for this guy, as as twisted as he is, is I don't think he sees life and life and death the same way we do, because he knows he can always, you know, the uh, death is not the end for when it, when he's concerned. So when somebody dies, it's not as a tra as tragedy to him as it is for the rest of us because he knows that 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 doesn't necessarily mean the end because he he's got the uh the answer Even yeah and i th i think um it's also I, I truly despise movies where the dog dies but it's like <laughs> a weird balance here because obviously it brings him back you know but it's still not the same i don't know man this one's a roller coaster ride it's like with the dog, they try to one-up the cat from the first movie. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I think it was Amok Time did a little um, replica of the, the like, three-finger eyeball creature thing that, you know, they lose in the beginning. Yeah. They made, like, a toy, like, a little sculpture of that thing. It's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Need that on the desk. Yes. I, uh, I wonder, too, did they purposely put that bandana on the dog so that we would know it's the same dog when we see it when it's reanimated with the human arm probably no well, it's a smart way to make you you know a visual cue yeah just seem i don't know seem a little unnecessary to me dogs wear scarves yeah my dog's wearing a bow tie sitting right at my feet so <laughs> <laughs> and i okay i think the two Greatest two of the greatest actors that are so highly underappreciated in the world of cinema as a whole is Jeffrey Combs and the other one being um, <clears throat> the other one being David Gale. Like, even though he's really not in the movie that much and he doesn't really do much of anything other than force a guy to, you know, strap bat wings to his head. Um, but he steals the scene every time. He, to me, is like an awesome villain. And it's all in in his performance. And he's got a darkness to him, but a, but a comical side to him. There's like some of that stuff. What was it? Oh, what did he call it? Oh, shit, I should have wrote it down. When he's talking to the... He's trying to get the coroner to do his bidding. And he called him like a poopy head or something like that. A nincompoop, called him a nincompoop. Oh. It was the 
fun. Like you don't expect your your villain, your dark evil villain, who is a reanimated head, to use the term nincompoop. It was fucking hilarious. And <clears throat> and it's just such a shame that n- that neither of those guys. I mean, like Jeffrey Combe obviously gets a lot of work, but I always feel like he's got an ability when he, that uh, like not even a list actors can touch. You know, I uh, I've I've always I've said it a million times. I'm I'm always really impressed with um, physical acting over um, dialogue, and that scene where he's fighting with that fake leg, wrestling with that fake leg. I mean, that takes really real skill to pull that off. I mean, he's obviously doing all the work himself, but it looks good. It looks like that leg is kicking and trying to fight him, and that's that's him doing it. So, the, the physicality of those of those moments like that that really impressed me. Not to mention just his overall submersion that he puts himself in when he does different characters like this. So. David Gale was also in The Giver. Yep, he played the bad guy in The Giver. He was in The First Power, which I love a lot. Oh, I didn't know he was in The First Power. And he was in the movie that you just worked on, the Scream Factory release of The Brain. Yep, Mm mm-hmm, he was in The Brain. Misused in The Brain, too. He's only in a couple scenes in that. Steals the show, as always, though. Like, man, and he just, he left us too soon, man. You know? Got those wings and just flew away. <laughs> I do it too. Now help me out here. I can't remember. Did they get into what happened to Barbara Crampton's character? I know they talk about her because of the whole heart thing, right? But like, did they, did they ever really explain what happens between the end of one and now with her character? I don't recall. Not, not that I know of. Okay. We just assume she's dead, dead, and yeah. He's still got the heart, her heart. Aww. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so that was, that's something unanswered. And I don't know if it comes from an era of, like... Maybe it'll be a comic book that goes in between someday. Well, like, back in those days, doing a sequel, when video was still kind of fresh and new, like, hoping that maybe people had forgotten how the oh, movie yeah. actually ended, because... Yeah. David Gale, they they talk about how his skull was crushed, but if you go back and watch Reanimator, that head is flattened. It's not <laughs> yeah. just a crushed skull. He's turned into a damn pancake. <coughs> Always liberties. Take yeah, and that's fine. <clears throat> if it means getting those characters back, then I'm fine. Heck yeah. You know, because you know, technically speaking, you know, West dies at the end of the first movie, so. I gotta be honest, I couldn't fucking stand Dr. Graves, the... Is that the coroner guy? Yeah. Okay. It was like some of the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. And I know you don't like critiquing acting, but I had a hard time (laughs) with his scenes. Okay. Just just overacting and... Yeah, you like how to throw a roll. Yeah. Other than that, though, I sure liked it. It was a great little sequel. You Absolutely. think it stand it up? You think it's as I mean having this the same music back really helps elevate it. Um Is it is it as good as the first one? Is it better? 
I don't know. Oh man, I don't know. You know, I, I think I actually, I think I actually enjoyed this movie a little bit more. I think I had, a, I think I had a more fun time with it. Damn. Okay. Ted, what do you think? Yeah. I wouldn't go that far. I would. Uh, <laughs> I would say I like the original more, but it, I mean, this is a lot of fun, but. I'm sorry, Mike. Were you going to say something? Yeah. Well, I think about part of the reason why maybe I'm like that is because <coughs> this was a first time watch for me. <coughs> oh, really? Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I, I'd never seen this one before, and so I I love watch uh, I I love watching uh, Jeffrey Combs in this role. He's so great. Mm-hmm. This movie felt like the the way it played out. It felt like a great. I could rate this right up there with Bride of Frankenstein, the original Bride of Frankenstein. It, it had that feel about it, you know, because there, yeah. there are some things that are very similar. And I just, I really dug the way they did this. Um, the design of the monster was awesome, but, you know, just the way he would explain why each part had its own special meaning for being on her. You know, and so he goes into all this deep meaning and everything, which I thought was kind of cool. And then at the end, as she's falling apart, he's like, uh, "Take a note." She uh, like uh, was a celery. Uh, oh, uh, what does it say? It's um, that it, it's just not working out. It, it's uh, so I was like molecular molecular rejection or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's not gonna work. Okay, fall apart. Try something new, basically. It's like, dude, that's like cold and awesome at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I it's, it, this. This is a lot of fun, you know. Um, like I said, I, I love I love the way the bride was awesome. That was a really really cool way they did the bride. You know, it reminded me. <coughs> Actually, okay, you know what? It's Brian Yunza, and so because I was thinking, it's like wow, it really reminded me a lot of what you'd see like in um, uh, Return of the Living Dead Part Three. And like, oh, same yeah, director, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, that that was yeah that's. I really like the way they did that. Yeah, you know, I, I love the, you know, all of a sudden you now these guys are like, at the beginning these guys are like, med doctors in the middle of the civil war for some reason. It's like, how did that happen? <laughs> and then, after everything that happened at the hospital, I was like, how are these guys let back in through the front door? That's what I thought. Well, one, why <laughs> would they go back to that same hospital after whatever what had happened? And two, how did how did they just get? To be doctors at that hospital. Yeah, do do, do medical licenses not mean anything back then? There's no way they know. <laughs> but he had to let that go. I couldn't. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, and then and then when like Kathleen's character dies, you know, uh, what's his name? He's like, I didn't even realize it. He's like, what the hell kind of doctor are you? <laughs> that yep. was not. That was, was space nuts. Mouth. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bruce got to stop thinking with his freaking <laughs> dick. Don't be thinking with your small head and every large. I know head. those three girls are just like, dude, pick one and let's <laughs> yeah. make this get this movie over with. Why are you every girl? Yeah. Since the third one takes place in prison, you think that's why they didn't bring Bruce Abbott character back? Because they didn't want to explore um, that love triangle? Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I, w- I will say, though, Jeffrey Combs acts rings around that guy. 
Oh, yeah. Bruce Gavin's fine and all, but, man, Jeffrey Combs just, he's just doing circles around this guy. Around everybody. Right, yeah. <laughs> Up against. Uh, and Yeah, because that, that's a testimony to, uh, to Jeffrey Combs and not anything against Bruce Abbott. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. Man. Old Ratchet. Yeah. <laughs> Transformers Prime cartoon. Yeah, yeah. When we met Jeffrey Combs, I, I got an eight by ten of Ratchet and had him autograph that. Since my son's a Transformers Prime fan. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I should have got two, but I had two. It was the first time I, I got to meet him in uh, Omaha. Uh, you know, of course, I got like a reanimator, you know, a little mini poster signed, but I. I talked to him probably for about five ten minutes about uh, Would You Rather. That movie was awesome. Yeah, it, yeah. His character in that movie, I was like, oh my god, he's so great in this and so enjoyable. He's just he's chewing up scenery. Didn't have to do much, but man, he owns that movie. Nice. I didn't realize he was in that. I'm gonna have to go watch it now. <coughs> oh yeah, he he's awesome. He's awesome. Another um, personality I want to point out uh, from this movie, the the um, uh, Claude Earl Jones. No, no. one of the reanimated uh, guys at the inst- at the institution, um, the one with the skinny one with the long beard. Oh yeah, that's Johnny Legend, um, who's uh, he's a rockabilly singer and he's like a, a film he's like a B movie film historian. Um, wrestling manager and promoter, um, so you know he's got a lot of ties to like B movies and stuff. I first saw him on the Incredibly Strange Film Show, which was a BBC show that each episode was about like a different filmmaker that you know did films outside of the norm. They did they had an episode on George Romero, they had an episode on Herschel Gordon Lewis, and they did a whole episode on Santo films and. Uh, like Johnny Legend, who is well versed in in Santo films, was kind of like the co-host for that episode. <clears throat> so I first I first uh, was aware of Johnny Legend through that, but uh, he's quite an interesting character, and um, not a lot of makeup was done. <laughs> That's just how he looks, huh? Pretty much, yeah. Not quite so yellow and rotted, but. Yeah. Uh, Right. But definitely, definitely skinny old guy with a huge ginormous beard. Yeah. Speaking of Claude Earl Jones, I didn't realize he was in as many horror movies as he was. I mean, he was in Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. He's the the lieutenant oh, guy. Yeah, the co- yeah yeah he is in Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Yeah. But he's also in Evil Speak. And he was she, in yeah. She Freak. He goes all the way back to Oh she my freak. god, he is not She-Freak. Yeah. Holy cow, that's him. Yeah. I'm sitting here and, uh, <laughs> playing the uh, something weird the trailer, trailer loop yeah, thing uh-huh. in my head and that scene of him laughing at the She-Freak. Yeah, oh wow. But then he's also in one of your favorites. That's crazy. Used cars. Oh yeah, he... Oh god! <laughs> yes! He's the dad... He's the dad with like the ten kids or whatever as as that, they, that, <laughs> <laughs> that they they 
where Garrett Graham tricks him into thinking he's run over the dog in order to get him to buy the car. And when they're driving away, three of the kids fall out of the back of the car because the hatch doesn't work on the uh, station wagon. Man, used cars is awesome. And that's why I knew you'd freak. Yeah, and he wasn't bad in this movie either, but... <laughs> but yeah. Well, you know, and in that typical stuff. form of, like, he gets killed and then yeah. gets brought back by the reanimator stuff. Um, and then he has to act kind of crazy. Yeah, and he's good at it. And I thought, like, he did a really good job. <coughs> I liked him more post-death. And I also thought it was kind of... It seemed like he was doing a lot of his own stunts, and he kind of, you know, gotten older and kind of bigger. But he was still fucking rolling over tables and shit, and I'm like, you go, old dude. Yeah. Oh, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, Which part, she freak or used cars? Connection, connection, connecting used cars to she freak. Yes. <laughs> messed up. Claude Earl Jones. That's almost messed up as like, what's the act? Oh, dang it! What's the actor from uh, the Rocky? From Rocky? Um, oh shoot! What's his name? He also played the chauffeur in um, Back to School. Oh boy! Dang it! It doesn't matter. Got to keep it moving. Got to keep it moving. Anything else anybody want, wants to say about? Um, Bright Reanimator? Nope. Nope. It's good. Yeah, it's awesome. Just watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. Burt Young. The actor Burt Young from, uh, from, he was in Rocky, he was in uh, uh, Back to School, he was in Chinatown. Um, and when I first got the Something Weird DVD for uh, Carnival of Blood, and he, he, he plays like the lead, like, character with like Asperger's and stuff in it, and it's like this super shitty... Movie. I love the movie, but it's like so horribly made and like, you know, it's super low budget, you know, from the 60s. And it takes place at a carnival where like half of the movie doesn't have any any um, natural audio to it. And it's so bad. And I'm like, holy crap, that's that's the guy from from Rocky is in this movie. That's weird. <laughs> so it's always crazy when I when you see stuff like that. Is it Mickey that? You're talking about? Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, I may got any honorable mentions. I forgot to uh, jot down honorable mentions. Bride of Frankenstein, Bride yep. of Chucky. Definitely the yeah. first two I thought of, too. Yeah. Uh, those two almost made the list. It was a matter of trying to make sure we all had a copy of those. So, um, One I really wanted to put on the list because I haven't seen it, and I still got a bootleg of it, but I haven't seen it since... I first got my bootleg of it, and it is a Tom Savini special effects film that's like apparently lost to time um, that he made in Japan. Huh. Um, he got hired by this this Japanese studio to do the special effects, and the spe- some of the effects are featured in his Grand Illusions book. And the name of the movie, the American title was um, "Till Death Do Us Scare," oh. and it's. I remember. I, I barely remember it because I've only watched it a few times and it's been forever. But it's kind of, kind of a ghost comedy kind of thing, with some outrageous special effects in it and whatnot. And I always thought it was a unique look at Savini's work outside of what we are used to seeing him do, because this is more of like supernatural, kind of silly effects. 
as opposed to the straight gore and whatever. So I would have loved to have exposed you guys to that movie, but you just can't find it for anywhere. Hmm. I tried looking it up under the American title and the um, original Japanese title. And I all I could find was one three-minute clip on YouTube. It's nuts. Anyway, that's my honorable mention. I got a few. Um, I think it was like one of the very first uh, tales from HBO Tales from the Crips. There was one where it was like uh, the couple's getting married, wedding night, and you know he's basically marrying her for the money. And after they consummate the marriage, she kills him because she's impregnated, and that's what they do. It's got, got like this Black Widow t- thing going on, um, and then. Of course, I could go with Blood Splattered Bride from the 70s. That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. And there's another one from the 70s just called The Bride, where, you know, scumbag um, husband cheats on his wife on the wedding day, of course. You know, and so she, like, kills, I think she kills herself. And they're supposed to have, like, this really awesome house or something like that. And she, like, comes back as, like, haunting him and stuff like that. So. Kind of a cool, like, little hard-to-find movie. Cool. Nice. <laughs> oh, oh. And then also, Haunted Honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. With uh, Gene Wilder and Kilda Randall and Tom <laughs> DeLuise. Is that more like what you think Andy's honeymoon was? <laughs> was like? If we're going to throw that on the list, uh, what about So I Married Next Murder? Love yeah. it. I know you love that yeah. movie. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. It's a good one. Sweet. Not, not that I call it horror, but... No, but, I mean, there's it's got his toes dipped in it a little bit. Tiny bit. Yeah. So fucking good. <laughs> it's got it's got axe in the title, so, yeah. Right. I see. Yeah. Murder. <clears throat> Uh, all right, so yeah, I think that wraps up our discussion on um, wedding horror. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's going to be some time for some segments here on Attack of the Killer podcast. Stay with us. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. You still there? Good. Because it's, it's uh, segments time here on Attack of the Killer Podcast. And time for everybody's favorite segment, Shoutouts. It's time for... Shoutouts! That's right, everybody's favorite segment, shout-outs. Just ask what your favorite horror movies are with wedding-themed or involved wedding. Um... We miss our pal Andy. And we got a, some good replies. We got on our Facebook page, we got 
Uh, Kier Arts says Wreck 3. I still haven't seen any of the Wreck. I wanted to put that on the list, but I couldn't find it anywhere either. Not for free, anyway. Frank Pop Jr. popped on. He said he replied to that, and he says, I came here to say Wreck 3, too. It's it's good. I love it. Yeah. Is that the one where it gets meta e? Well, I mean, I don't know changes. if I call it meta. Yeah, it changes because it start. You know, like the wreck yeah. movies, uh-huh. they're all found footage, and so like the first ten minutes of this movie is is all the wedding video. It's the wedding video, so it's all point of view of the camera and everything. And then when the shit hits the fan, everybody starts turning into zombies or demons or whatever you call them in this series. Um, it literally jump cuts from. Shaky cam, handheld video camera footage to, to like clean dolly shot, nice uh, wide, you know, you know widescreen format, beautiful, uh, you know, narrative uh, filmmaking, and it just that transition is so jarring. It's I just love it. It's very cool, and such a neat way to go into a narrative instead cool. of typical cool. found footage. And it's really funny, and really gory. Just you're hitting all the good spots yeah. there. <clears throat> well, and then Kier also chimes back in and says, "Blood spattered bride." <clears throat> no use. We got Linda Drake. She says, "Little Shop of Horrors." Okay. Yeah. 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 Little honeymoon. Yeah. Uh, we got Johnny Zuko says the stepfather too. Oh, cool! Yeah. Uh, Michael Levy he says not a movie, but was a fan of Harper's Island. I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. <coughs> no. We got Trevor McIn McElhenney says Bride of Frankenstein. And then, lastly, on our Facebook page is JoJo Monkey. She says, "Does Corpse Bride count?" Heck yeah, it does. Sure. Yep. And then we got over on our Facebook group. We got this kid, Brian Clark. Remember Who? him? <coughs> Brian Clark. He says, Just "Beetlejuice kidding. springs to mind instantly to mind, as does yep. endlessly delightful Bride of Chucky." Uh, poor old King Kong had the worst honeymoon in the history of nuptials. <laughs> <laughs> he said nuptials too, so that's good. Nuptials. This and sounds dirty. It does. When you two say it. Nuptials. And then there is the mind-boggling weird bride of Godzilla. First planned in 1955 and almost made several times. The movie involved an Edgar Rice Burroughs-style hollow earth. Giant fleas, octopus people, mermaids, and Godzilla getting busy with a giant robot woman who was actually an atomic bomb designed to assassinate him. Why don't we have this movie? Yeah. Doesn't that sound like the perfect? Oh, that'd be great. Yes, Brian. Really I think can sell movies. Can I he? think like they <laughs> didn't make the movie just because they know they couldn't go anywhere else with Godzilla after that. Oh man, I want that movie. <laughs> Pride of Godzilla. Then we got uh, Terry Turford. Remember her? Hey, yeah, Terry. Terry's back. She says, Wreck 3. The bride basically turns into Ash Williams. Bloody good fun. Yep, she run around with chainsaw. She, she totally is Ash in the movie. 
John Sullivan. Man, we're just hitting all oh, the old, man. All the old crew. It's killer podcast reunion. Yes. Just wait. It keeps going. John Sullivan says he knows you're alone. I don't nope. know that one. I don't know that one either. John, tell us more. I, I know of that movie. I've never seen that one. Because uh, isn't that the one that has uh, Tom Hanks in it? Oh, is that the one? Okay. I think so. <clears throat> I just didn't picture Sully as such a t- Tom fan. <laughs> anyway, up next we got Andrew Wasso. Hey! <laughs> He's the whole t- reason for this episode. He made it on the show. He says, even though I'm missing this episode, I can put in my two cents. I'm going with the Stepfather series, particularly Stepfather 2. Meg Foster and Terry O'Quinn trying to kill one another in the reception hall. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he should have done it in his voice. Oh, which one? He does so many. <laughs> Vincent Price. Nope. No, wait, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Nope. No, wait, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing Vincent Price. Finger Rames. Finger Yeah, Finger Oh my gosh. And then lastly in our Facebook group, we got Tim Lennerer. He says, Alligator has an outdoor oh, yeah. has an outdoor wedding thoroughly yep. ruined oh, by a giant yeah. reptile attacking. John Sales wrote the script, so it's far better than a Jaws ripoff set hundreds of miles from an ocean has any right to be. It's true. God, I love that movie. So good. I love it. Oh yeah. Love it, love it. And there's nothing on Twitter, nothing on Instagram. But don't forget, folks, you can still call in and leave us a voicemail to get your comments read in the shout-outs. You can call us at 415-952-6857. This is a real phone number. <laughs> people have really called it before. That's right. Um, but not little, enough people. Not enough. It's also a shortcut, 415-95-AOTKP. And call about anything. Yeah. Call about anything. We'll put it in the show. It doesn't have to be oh my about our topic. It could be what you think of the show, what you think of what you think of Jason. Uh, no. Do you uh <laughs> do you guys actually do you read their what they've recorded or do you play it? We play the audio clip. Yeah, we just of okay. their voicemail. Okay. So <coughs> I, they get to have their voice since I joined, so Oh man. Damn, nice. see that's what I'm saying, people. Since Tad has been, and he's a veteran now, and he, we have, he, we've not had a voicemail. Come on, Jack. Come on. You always call in. Somebody. Something, you know, rip us a new asshole. Anything, <laughs> man. Just leave a voicemail. Have some fun we, already. I want to hear your voice for a change. It's right. Anyway, that's what I got <laughs> for shout-outs. But just wait, folks. It's not over yet. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, Insane's Picks. <laughs> Hi everybody. Uh, Insane's picks for this episode. I'm doing 1982s. 1982, such a 82-83, such an amazing year for horror, man. Especially the slasher genre. And I've picked a little film here that's a, kind of an underrated slasher. Um, some don't really consider it a slasher, especially the filmmakers, but it, it's a slasher. And I'm going with The Slayer. Yes. Two couples become stranded on a rugged island 
and they they are haunted by a supernatural beast drawn to <clears throat> drawn to the wife of one of the couples who dreams of its killing everybody sounds pretty sounds like a pretty standard slasher well one thing that separate, separates it from a typical slasher of the era is that well first of all the cast which is only four people are all adults well i guess there's five people the guy that flies the plane cuz he's he's one of the victims also, also with the whole weird supernatural element, um, where the lead K, played by Sandra Kendall, you know, has these dreams about everybody getting killed off. And then there's like the surprise ending, half of which is kind of given away by the by the whole premise and the cover of the film, actually. Uh, but uh, that's not the only twist. The very, very end has a very um, interesting reveal. It's not fully explained, but uh, definitely unique. And some could consider it a cheat, you know, it's kind of like what people would say would be a cheat ending, but it actually really works very well in this for this film. I remember this movie back in my video my video store days, um, hanging at the video store all the time. If I wasn't watching movies, I was hanging out at the video store. Um, and I remember the big box for this by Continental Video, where it was a two-on-one, two, two movies on one tape. Uh, with the movie Frozen Screams. Now, I never rented this one, even though um, the Slayer was very intriguing uh, based on that cover, um, but Frozen Screams didn't seem like anything I would be interested in. So, I'm going to have to check out Frozen Screams because the Slayer is awesome. It is a fun, um, f uh, fun slasher, kind of a little bit slow in the middle, uh, you know, really before the killings get underway. Um, but it's got some great, violent, gruesome kills in it. Like, uh, you know, the pilot gets bludgeoned with a boat oar, and, like, you see the head get caved in by this oar, and it's awesome and bloody, gruesome. It's also, I'm, I'm going down in history right now saying that it's got the best stabbing with a pitchfork ever committed to film. Um... And I will stand by that. It is an amazing effect. It looks really cool. And luckily, I watched this movie um, with uh, on the uh, Arrow Blu-ray that I just recently got not that long ago. So this is the way to see it. All crisp and clean and like the night scenes, you can actually see what's going on. Um, I've seen clips of this movie on the Continental um, compilation um tape that they had back out in the day called Terror on Tape, and I remember some of those scenes that they showed from uh, the Slayer as, you know, being really dark and hard to make out what was going on, so this transfer is gorgeous, I highly recommend it, um, not just because the movie's great, but uh, it, it's, one of the, it's one of the most night and day um, restorations I've ever seen. Um, and it's got a, it's got a couple of great commentary tracks on it, a, a making of little doc on it, and it, it's a great Arrow did a great job on this release. So that's my insane's pick for this episode from 1982, The Slayer. Nice. So that's it, boys and girls. That is this episode of Attack of the Killer podcast. Uh, I want to thank Mike for being on. Thanks, buddy, for joining us on this episode. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me on again. Always, always a pleasure having you on the show. And Andy out there, uh, we toast you on your uh, recent wedding. I'm hoping you're having a 
good honeymoon or whatever the hell you guys are doing that you couldn't be here. Um, you know, uh, welching on your duties of being a podcaster. But <laughs> hey, congratulations on the marriage nonetheless, buddy. Uh, I'll never do it again. But that, <laughs> you know, marriage isn't for everybody, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. What I'm really trying to say is that this is the end of the show. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening. And we will talk to you on the next episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attack!